Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm a feminist, but... Hello, Auckland! We're back! Fairly dark days in lockdown. We didn't think we'd be back, but we're back. And I'm a feminist, but... Today, when I was on the plane from Christchurch to Auckland, I was reading a very important new feminist book called Hotbed about this extremely uh, radical uh, feminist group in New York, and they, uh, they were all into free love and you know, r- radical overthrowing. It's absolutely amazing, all their friendships. You've got to read it. But I kept getting distracted because I've really seriously been going for the hand cream. <laughs> and I've knocked, I reckon, 10 to 15 years off my hands. Like, I just can't get enough of them. They're so smooth. It was, it, was hi- it was dehydration. That's all it was. And if anyone wants to know, the trick is, it's twice a day with an ordinary hand cream and a drop of oil. You know the oil you put on your face? Has anyone got face oil? It's just a drop on the back of each hand, and then you work it in very slowly. You, too, can have the hands of a 12-year-old. <laughs> I can't really tell you what happens past chapter one of Hotbed. Because I keep just, like, like Narcissus, I keep just going, oh, my God, look at them, they're beautiful. And I also have a very, very sweet manicure at the moment going on. And I'm just, I'm in love with my own hands. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... I was pretty excited about coming back to Auckland and coming back to the Bruce Mason, but the time I got the most excited this afternoon was when they brought me an iron. (laughs) And then I got even more excited because Grace needed to use the iron and she let me iron her shirt. (laughs) It's just soothing, all right? It's It's soothing. I mean, you were just so quick 
to offer to iron for other people. There was a 1950s housewife vibe about it that bordered on kink. All right, well, I think I'm learning something about myself. <laughs> look, there's not a wrinkle on those. Those look as smooth as my hands. Um, these, Some... these trousers are my favourite trousers, and they're called my... I have a message for the king pants. <laughs> if you're listening at home, they're, they're pinstripe pantaloons with spats and a waistcoat. I could fit a possum in both pockets. <laughs> you oh, know you can like get into off. a lot of trouble for doing that. <laughs> Coming from Australia to New Zealand with a possum in your pants. Oh, there's no need to bring any. They're all here. <laughs> so maybe whip one back. I am a feminist, but... I have a deep love and respect for our cultural markings, obviously, and I still went and got a drunken tattoo of a small horse on the side of my hip on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Nartify Nart, do you ever, when people are asking about your cultural markings mm -hmm. and you're like on the beach or something, and if they point to it, do you ever go, yes, that's very sacred? <laughs> When they point to the horse. I'm kind of like, move along. <laughs> <laughs> Why Next did you one. get a horse? Was it relevant? Um, it was part of a bigger picture with flowers representing my children. And then they started the tattoo and it was all over. It's just an outline of a very Did you just go, horse. this is way too painful? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care. It was care. my pet horse when I was younger. Actually, my cousins, I claimed it was mine because it sounded cooler at school, but... That's what it so represented. So this is a picture of someone else's dead horse who you lied about. <laughs> you lied about. And, and your children, you were like, it was too painful getting you out. I'm not also having you written on the side. And I, just... I have it for life. <laughs> for life. Well, uh, yeah. Like, you've got them. They're there. They're the horse is dead. Have that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... I was recently uh, rocking out to Avril Lavigne's 2002 magnum opus, Skater Boy. Yeah, you are. And, uh, and I realised, probably for the first time in my life, when I was actually listening to the lyrics, that it is, Auckland, it's not a feminist text. Um, <laughs> right from, she had a pretty face, but her head was up in space, through to, sorry girl, but you missed out, well, tough luck, that boy's mine now. There is no fucking sisterhood in that song. <laughs> and I'm a feminist, but... Still a banger, isn't it? No. Grace, in her defence, it's complicated. <laughs> it's, it's very complicated. Are you... How, what era Avril Lavigne were you? <laughs> I was... <laughs> All-consuming crush on her for the entire of Year 11 era. Yeah. What era was that? Was that the It's Complicated era? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pretty much the same age. So, yeah. You know, when you I, say we're pretty much... I thought that would be enough for us to be married, but it isn't yet. I don't know. Listen, we live in hope. If Taylor Swift says no, Avril's the backup. <laughs> I'll open with that. <laughs> Are we ready to start the show? Then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist. A big round of applause for Cal Wilson, Nya Atafai Nya and Grace Petrie. Three incredible women you'll be seeing a lot as well as our wonderful local Auckland guest. I've never finished in time with the music before like that. That is just, normally there's a bit more music and then I just have to be like, nah, 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 nah. Um, You know, I have to admit this to you now, our flight got cancelled and they said it's a 15-hour drive with a three-hour ferry from Christchurch, because I said, let's just drive. New Zealand's not that big, I said. They said, you're wrong. I went, how long can it be? They said, 15 hours with a three-hour ferry. They said, it's impossible to get there. And I, we were like, like figuring out, can we fly to Hamilton and drive? Can we fly to Tauranga and drive? We, we were working out all of the things, and it just seemed impossible. And I was like, we can't let Auckland down. They're so excited. Also, I've got family here. Some of them are coming in from other places. I was like, what are we going to do? Like, like, it's just, it's going to be impossible to get here. And I said to Michael, our tour manager, I'm lucky. And uh, I feel like if we just go to the airport 
and just demand to get on a plane. (laughs) With the power of feminism, we just look the patriarchal airport in the eye and say, we have feminism to do in Auckland. They will just let us on a plane. And do you know they did? Yeah. Yeah. We had four hours sleep... (laughs) Because we had to get up like super early to make this happen. We just had to camp out. As soon as the airport was open, we were in it. And we were just there. And Grace Petrie, she just put her guitar down like that and went, I've got songs to sing in Auckland. I've got songs of fury and demands. I've got demands for the world to be better in song. I've got four choruses. The audience are going to sing along. And they were like, oh, all right. And we, they said... There's a few, like, airline staff. You know when airline staff hitch rides on planes for free? They were like, we're bumping them. So if you had any friends that were meant to be here tonight because they work for Air New Zealand, that's probably those empty chairs there. Seems to be a full house except for a couple of chairs here and there. That's Air New Zealand staff. We personally saw them off uh, We asked to see which ones they were, and we were like, yeah, you're not going. It's us. It's us. Um, So we're so thrilled to be here. We got here. The hotel let us in early, so we had a nap. We've had an afternoon nap, and I've had two sugar-free Red Bulls, so I could not be more up for this. I genuinely thought we might not be here. I was like, there must be a way. And Michael was like, I don't think there is. They don't let us on this plane. There isn't a way. There just isn't a way. And I was like, oh, my God. Imagine telling Auckland of all places, because you're always the loudest New Zealand audience, <laughs> apart from Wellington, but there's so many of them. That, yeah, are you cheering for Wellington? No. You've, people in the front row physically said No. Not just not cheered for Wellington. No, we are not cheering for Wellington. We will never cheer for Wellington. We will not cheer for the... Even the feminists in Wellington will not get a cheer from us. Do you hate Wellington? No. You do. Okay. Um, is there, do Auckland have a rivalry with anyone? No. Too charming. Too, New Zealanders, Charming. In Australia, if you ask any Australian city who do you hate, there will be a number of suggestions. Uh, it's just because everyone hates you. Oh, everyone hates Auckland. Oh, so you do have nemeses, but you, you're trying to win them over with, with charm and kindness, and it isn't working. Um, Listen, Auckland, I think you're wonderful. I always love coming here. Um, And what I would like to know from you is, have you been doing anything feminist since I saw you last? Um, Because I haven't been here for two and a half years. So we'd always come every year, right? And sometimes we came twice a year. And suddenly, we couldn't come at all. um, Because of, I don't know if you heard, in London, we had a global pandemic. And so we were not allowed to travel. We were locked down for so long. And you started the whole lockdown. When you were the last place we came to, we went to New Zealand in February and uh, we got on a plane home and we had no idea that we would then be locked down and never be... Uh, we were planning on coming back later that year. So this is just really wonderful and special that we're finally here. Um, so what I'm asking for, Auckland, is an act of feminism that will intimidate nobody. <laughs> I'm looking for something so lowly that everybody else in this room goes, oh, I can do better than that. <laughs> I want an encouraging act of feminism. And he went, yes. I've started, right? Now, Auckland, you've understood the assignment there. Uh, So, what was your name? Amy Amy said, I've started sleeping with someone and I have not shaved my legs to impress him. (laughs) To impress him. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Has he commented on the legs? No, of course not. He's just grateful to see them. He's grateful to see them. He has no demands at all. He's just been delighted and excited. What was that? He's been lucky to be there. Amy, I hope you've said that when he's been down there. You're lucky to be down there, sir. Um, It's like a Jane Austen novel, isn't it? Um, It takes no persuasion. (laughs) Um, 
Anybody else? Anyone else got anyone? So what Amy's done there has made people go, oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I, I can be as feminist as that. Has anyone got anything lower, higher, or the same? What was yours? Um, I bought a badge that says feminist, so I can say I'm a badge wearing Oh, I bought a badge that said feminist, so I can say I'm a badge wearing feminist. Or a card-carrying feminist. We could make little cards, couldn't we? Card card, badge-wearing feminist. Excellent. Are you wearing it tonight? Okay. Uh, you, so you planned to wear it tonight but failed. Even, even less intimidating. Even less intimidating for the others. Others are like, she's not even wearing the badge. She's left it at home. Um, anybody else? Yes, what's yours? An English teacher, and you've taught nothing from white men all year. We love it, but are there white men on the syllabus, and are your students going to fail English? No, it's fine. You've done it in a way where they can still pass the exams. Beautifully flexible curriculum, of course you have. It's New Zealand. It's run by a woman, and just generally... I don't know if you realise how much the rest of the world look to you. Wherever I go, people go, oh, New Zealand, yes. I wish I lived in New Zealand. It's a feminist country, such an egalitarian country. And I know if you live here, I'm sure there are lots of problems and I'm sure, you know, there are lots of ways in which it is imperfect. But I still think you should know because when I'm here, often people are quite self-deprecating and go, oh, New Zealand, no one knows us. We're small and no one remembers us. No, really, as far as feminism goes, you're very high profile. But because you're women, you're very self-deprecating about it. (laughs) You don't realise. You go, I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> and it is. Anyone else got anything else? Yes? Yes? Oh, you're, you're pointing at somebody who's got one. Are you a friend of hers? No. That's so sisterly, isn't it? Just, she's pointing at a stranger going, she was trying to say something. I don't know her, but I feel that she should be pushed forward by a woman. There's a woman behind a woman there. That's wonderful. You should know each other and be friends. What's your name? Claire. And what's your name? Who put her forward? Anita. Anita and Claire. You should meet at Interval and be friends. Because Anita's got your back, Claire, literally. Absolutely. They've done a little fist bump. Um, Claire, tell me yours. Strongly worded letters. I'm just going to repeat after you so they can hear. So you, I wrote a very strongly worded letter, Claire said. in support of a complaint against a transphobic colleague. So you wrote a strongly worded letter. Okay, Claire has raised the bar a bit there, hasn't she? Because she's not left a badge at home. Or failed to remember to bring a razor into the shower every time and then thought, oh, I can't be asked now. I can't get it out of the packet. Uh, she's done an action there. Uh, anybody else? Anybody else? Can you, you can go higher now if you want. We're easing in. We're easing in. Anyone got one? Yes? You've been sharing 28 days later, which is a... 28-ish days later, which is a feminist podcast? A menstrual, oh, 28 shows. It's a superb menstrual feminist podcast. You've been sharing that with all of your male friends. Okay, just a, on a point of information, have you also been sharing The Guilty Feminist with those friends? Because as much as I love someone else's podcast, which I'm sure is wonderful, we should all listen to it. We should also all subscribe and rate and review The Guilty Feminist. Give it five stars. But I will listen to that. I will listen to that. 28-ish days later. So they understand more about menstruation. The menstrual cycle as a whole. The wonder of it. I, I don't love it. I've never loved it. But I'm sure it is magical and scientific. But it's also a pain, isn't it? It's, it's ups as well as downs. What are the ups of the menstrual cycle just to be... I, I've, I've never discovered an up. So the first phase is called the molecular phase. Vernicular. The vehicular phase. 
The licular phase? <laughs> I mean, it's probably the safest phase for that activity. That's a very rude joke, isn't it? What's that? Keep it in your pants. I don't have a lot of choice. Um, uh, so the first phase, what? You feel fantastic. You got the energy. Makes you ambitious. Makes you what? Makes you say, makes you hot and it makes you say, yes, please. Listen, just give us a cheer if you think you're in your licular phase right now. Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, Auckland, you are on fire. Has anyone got anything that they need help with? Anything feminist they need help with? So is it a, a local Auckland feminist or... You don't have to be from Auckland. You might all, all be from Auckland. Give us a cheer if you are from Auckland. Give us a cheer if you're from not Auckland. Where are you from? Aaron. Where are they from? Ireland. Ireland. Oh, thank you. But you haven't come specially tonight from Ireland, have you? You just ha- you're uh, you're randomly from Ireland and ca- uh, but you're in Auckland anyway, yeah? yeah? I live here. You live here. Yeah, okay. So, yay and thank you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Uh, has anyone come tonight from a place that is in Auckland? Yes. The Bay of Islands. Four hours. Can anyone do better than four hours away? Yes. Taranaki. How many hours is Taranaki? Five hours. Do we have any advances on five hours? Any advances on five hours? Is five hours the longest? Where? Dunedin. How many hours is Dunedin? Too many. Are you staying the night? Is that, a, is that funny because you would have to stay the night? Yeah. I thought it was probably a good gag, but I wasn't sure. You never know until you get the laugh. I'm not really sure on New Zealand geography. But Dunedin sounds like... Do you go skiing in Dunedin? No. Sorry? Oh, it's further south than Christchurch. You know we were doing Christchurch. Could have just gone to there. No. Okay. So has anyone got anything that they need help with from Taranaki, Dunedin, Auckland? I mean, in Auckland, you've probably got the biggest, you know, group of local people who will activate. Anyone got anything they're doing that they need us to know about, that you either need money for, volunteers for, anyone doing anything? Yes? And what's your name? Michelle. Michelle. Big round of applause for Michelle. There's a petition, if you're on LinkedIn in particular, called Mind the Gap, which is about not only gender pay gap, but also non-Caucasian people pay gap. Uh, And the latest stats are that COVID has set the gender pay gap back 30 years. Uh, And in New Zealand, we don't have compulsory reporting of gender pay disparities. They do have that in lots of other countries, including Australia, where they've proven that once companies had to report it, the gap started to narrow. So all you have to do is sign the petition, which is encouraging our government to make reporting compulsory. Thank you so much. Get involved in that. So everyone can do that tonight. It's the Mind the Gap petition. If you're on LinkedIn, it's easy. If you're not on LinkedIn, Google it and see if you find a way to find it. Or briefly join LinkedIn just to sign it and then immediately leave. Because honestly, <laughs> I left LinkedIn once and I just missed the good time so much. I just, <laughs> just was back. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't resist. Um, it's a great place for finding people, though. If people are not on any other social media, if you can't find an old school friend or something or you want to stalk an ex-boyfriend or something like that, LinkedIn is your best friend. Just that's a hot tip from me to you, along with a little bit of oil on the back of each hand. <laughs> the hands of a 12-year-old. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Um, also read Hotbed.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu code SUMMER. I'm going to ask you, Auckland... Um, if you would like, I did Radio New Zealand recently, which was lovely. Um, very nice, very nice. If you would like this show to be like a sort of charming tea time, um, three o'clock in the afternoon Radio New Zealand show, where you just wryly smile at some things and you go, that's a good point. That's a, oh, that's interesting. And you make a cup of tea and you think, yes, that's very jolly. And you go out to use the loop. You don't pause it. You just come back and you go... Oh, I've got the, I've got the idea. Um, then when I put my hand here, we're going to do it like a clapometer. When, you're going to clap there. That's if you wanted to be Radio New Zealand at three o'clock in the afternoon. If you would like it to be a sort of really fabulous night out in the pub where we're like, yeah, we're all going to be together and enjoy being right together, uh, you're going to clap when we get to there. Um, if you would like it to be more like a revolution such that if we were to reveal behind that curtain we had the patriarchy captive... <laughs> And then we built a bonfire and said... And then we danced around it naked. And it's just heated into an orgy. Um, Listen, listen. That is a feminist idea because Gloria Steinem says if you want to have fun and sex and laughter and dancing after the revolution, you've got to have fun and sex and dancing and laughter during the revolution, right? Um, so if you'd like it to be charming feminist afternoon, clap now. Oh, some people have clapped for that. Some people have gone, yes, that's what I've come for. I didn't say anything about an orgy on the website. I, um, some people have clapped there and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. There's, you don't put options on the card. You don't want people to tick. Okay, so three o'clock in the afternoon, radio show. And then more of a fun night in the pub. Screw the patriarchy. <laughs> Revolution teacher and Lordy. Auckland. You are up for some fun. Are you ready to see some stand-up comedy? Then please welcome to the stage your countrywoman and one of my very favourites, the incredible Cal Wilson. exciting to be back on stage and having people. It's like I'm standing on the mantelpiece of your fireplace. You're so close to me. We're, we're so excited to be here because we so very nearly weren't. Like we, our tour manager was up all night last night trying to find us a flight to Auckland and we were trying to help and Googling things that he'd already worked out and, and just telling him more things that he knew. But uh, what, what I loved about Deborah's grasp of geography of New Zealand, because we, we were even at the point where we were going, could we fly to Sydney from Christchurch and then fly from Sydney to Auckland and Deborah went what if we flew to Dunedin and drove from there I thought, well, why not go the whole hog just go to Stewart Island and then just we'll, we'll get someone to tow us up 
So it's so exciting. It's so exciting to be in a room full of people again. You had a bit of lockdown, didn't you, Auckland? You you had bits and pieces. Of, I, I was in Melbourne, um, and in the first year of the pandemic, uh, we spent uh, 62 months in lockdown. It was... We were just always in lockdown. It was uh, like... You can only tell your partner so many stories. And then he's heard them all, and you just... Anyway, uh, it was just a little thing that came out. Um... It's so nice to be in a room, like, I've, I've done so many Zoom gigs over the, over the pandemic, and did you have to do Zoom? Did you have to get your head around Zoom? It's, it's so, what, it, what it's done to me, though, is I've done so much stuff on Zoom that when we finally got out of lockdown, I'd forgotten how to people. Just forgotten, and, and we had my in-laws over for dinner, and I love my in-laws, but after 45 minutes, I was like, I need a leave meeting button. It's just too much, I was like... How, how long can I just go and stand quietly in the bathroom before it's rude? Like, I just needed a little bit of time. And then it was like, oh, you're in my house and I can't fake a power outage. And, like... And the thing, the thing that I learned about doing gigs on Zoom is that uh, no matter how funny you are or fascinating you are, nothing is ever as good as someone's cat walking across a keyboard. <laughs> It's, it's just the best. It's best. I, d- I did a corporate gig and uh, I was in a studio by myself and I had all of the people that I was talking to, it was like 300 people on this Zoom and they all projected up behind me and I noticed, they're all at, all at home having an awards ceremony, I was there in my little studio and a guy fell asleep on his couch and one of the management team texted the production team that I was working with and went, Derek's gone to sleep on the couch. And so I was like, spotlight Derek. And Derek was asleep on his couch. And I just sang to him till he woke up. It was incredible. You have never seen a man more confused as to what was happening in his life. It was so gorgeous. And then every now and then I'd have to go back and check that Derek was still awake. Derek was fucking awake. Oh, he was awake. So great. It's just so, it's so lovely to be here. We, um, we, we had this weird thing when the world stopped. Um, uh, everything changed for everyone in the world except for my husband because he's always worked from home. So when we had to go into lockdown, it was exactly the same for him as it had always been except there were two more people at his office. And he sat me down on the second day of lockdown because he's met me before and <laughs> he said, I just want to remind you that even though you are at home... I am at work. This is a professional environment. I am at work. And I wanted to help. I wanted to help, but I've never worked in an office. I mean, I've seen The Office. It's a wonderful documentary. But I... (laughs) I just didn't know how I could make it feel like a more professional environment. So what I did is I got him to set me up on a Slack channel. And then I would just message him office gossip. (laughs) About people that don't exist. I'd be like, uh, Janine's drunk the toner again. <laughs> or um, Ray and Aileen are rooting in the stationery cupboard. Like, I don't, I don't even know if officers still have stationery cupboards. Uh, but what I, I knew I'd done a good one when from the study I'd just hear, Oh, for fuck's sake! But don't feel sorry for him, because he, he's, he's a master of technology and I'm a complete Luddite. And he would get his revenge on me when I had annoyed him enough. We have a Google Home in most of the rooms in our house, and they are constantly gaslighting me. They will not recognise my voice, they won't answer to me. Uh, I'll talk to one, and one in the bedroom's going, I can't understand your command. It's like, fuck off, I wasn't talking to you! I feel sorry for people called Dougal, though. I feel like, hi Dougal, no, I don't want anything. Anyway, so... Chris would get his revenge on me by making all of the Google Homes play the song that I hate the most in the world. And that song is the Pina Colada song. And if you don't know what that song is about, it's the world's greatest song about trying to cheat on your partner with someone who turns out to be your partner trying to cheat on you. Hashtag couple goals. So I hate that song, and the line I hate the most in that song is, do you like making love at midnight? And the first thing I hate about it is I hate the term making love. I hate it. I find it creepy. I find it, it sounds too billowy. It sounds like, ooh, making love. Like, just, like, like when I, it's too undulating. Like, it makes me think of, like, a, a manta ray wearing a caftan. Like, ooh, making love. Making love. Making love. I hope I've ruined that for you. So, the other reason I hate that line is, do you like making love at midnight? No. It's too late. (laughs) Like, if if we're making love at midnight, I will have needed a nap this afternoon and nothing on tomorrow. (laughs) 
would do it is I'd go, let's get Uber Eats while we're waiting for the food to arrive. We'll have a quickie. We'll fortify ourselves with the feud, have another go and be asleep by nine. I feel old, I feel old when I say things like that. And also when I go, oh gosh, they look cold when you see a girl in front of a nightclub, you're like, where's her keys? Where does she keep her keys? I'm just worried about how she's going to get home. We had to deal with remote learning. Did you have remote learning over here? Yeah, so yeah there's people like, please don't talk about it. Uh, so we, we had remote learning and I, I was really fortunate in that my son, uh, he had great teachers over the remote learning period, but I have to say that his first teacher was my favourite, Mrs. Cardoza, and the reason I loved Mrs. Cardoza was she was young, she was motivated, uh, she reminded me of my niece who's also a school teacher, uh, she was really good with the technology, kept the kids all engaged, but if I'm honest, the real reason I loved Mrs. Cardoza is that Mrs. Cardoza had a parrot, <laughs> and every morning when she did the roll call from her kitchen, just at a random different time each day, you would just hear from off screen, And every morning I'd be like, yep, same here, parrot, same, same. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say that I got too into helping my son with his schoolwork, but when he got his report back, I did quite well in art. <laughs> Turns out I can nail a colour wheel, which is exciting. Uh, the, the, the little things about the pandemic that I discovered were silver linings, like this possibly controversial thing to say, but I quite like wearing a mask. quite enjoy it, because as a woman of a certain age... I haven't had to pluck anything for two years. I just let them all go. I let them all go. Like my chin was like the fly strips in a fish and chip shop doorway. Just, and I don't know. I don't know if anyone else does this, but I pay quite a lot of attention to how they're going. Like, like my husband calls me the chin farmer because I'm, I'm like, oh, you're not ready today, but tomorrow I shall have you. I guess. I don't. I don't know if anyone else will admit to this, but does anyone else have a favourite bristle? I got one, he's on that side, he's got six friends. It's quite... I say a woman of a certain age, I turned 50 over lockdown. And then... Um, then I turned 51 over lockdown. And uh, I, I was saying to my friend Claire the other day, I just don't feel like a woman in her 50s. I don't feel like a 51-year-old woman. And then I realised I was telling her that as we were having lunch in a garden centre. The coffee shit, but the roses are lovely. They're so lovely, so lovely. And I've, I've started to hit. Uh, I've started to, to to hit the age where you start talking about menopause. And, and menopause is quite a confronting word for people. I feel like <laughs> I feel like people like you can feel sphincters like closing uh, amongst the men in the audience. Like when you say menopause too many times, I feel it's like like when you're a kid. If you say uh, Bloody Mary five times, she'll appear. I feel if I say menopause five times, I'll never see Bloody Mary again. And the thing that I'm uh, supposedly experiencing is perimenopause, which is the, it's like the trailer for menopause. So it's like they're coming up this summer, you're like, oh, I won't, I won't have that. And you're like, you're fucking getting it. So uh, what, what I am intrigued by with menopause is that a lot of my friends are the same age. And because we've known each other forever, we have conversations about menopause that are very blunt. And so I had a Zoom call with friends in New Zealand, and there was four of us on the call, and this is how the call started. Do you smell weird now? And I was like, yes, I do. I smell weird. I smell different to how, like, I don't recognise myself. I, was, I went to the Apple shop to get a new phone, and the guy that was helping me was lovely, lovely young guy in his mid-twenties. But while we were doing the transaction, I was like, oh, gosh, he really needs to do something about that terrible body odour. And then I walked out of the shop, and it came with me, and it was me! It was me! And I was like, now I realise, well, he's uncomfortable because I smell like manure. Like, it, just, it was just... I, on the Zoom call, we're talking about what else, what else, like, another friend goes, I can't sleep, I've got terrible insomnia, and we're like, oh yeah, my God, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, and one of my other friends went, have you put on weight, and I was like, oh my God, I've got this little pouch that I've never had before, it's like I'm, it's like I'm carrying a bum bag under my trousers, like I'm, like I'm a, a tourist in my own life, like, oh, you won't get my traveller's checks, like, I've just, it's just such a weird such a weird, it's, it's so weird, right? So I, I've got a pouch, I'm up all night, I don't think I'm perimenopausal, I think I'm semi-marsupial. Like, you'll go home tonight and you'll be up on top of your shed eating a nectarine. It's like... Shh. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, we're so excited to be here. Thank you for having us, Auckland. We are thrilled to be with you. I'm going to hand you back over to that other chick that we quite like. Carl Wilson, everybody! She's an absolute phenomenon. Um, Auckland, anybody want to tell us about anything else before I bring my next guest on? Has anyone got an act of feminism, large, small, or anything they need money for? Yes. It's not at all what I thought anyone was going to say. You quit your city job to become a shepherd. A shepherd. Like while shepherds watch their flocks at night. Like in the Bible. I know there's lots of sheep in New Zealand. There must be contemporary shepherds, but you don't think about that, do you, really? Don't think, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about shepherds. Any wise women in? We could have a nativity. Tell us, tell us more about that. Can you get to the stage so we can hear about this properly? I just, I don't think, I might never have a shepherd in the audience again. I don't want to waste this opportunity. By having a shout from a distance, I feel like I need to see her in real life. I like that she didn't say shepherdess, because it's like when people call me a comedienne. It's like lawyerette. There's no need. Excellent. Hello. Welcome. Um, do you mind just popping the house lights up a tiny bit? Super, just so we can see. What's your name? Freya. Freya. Freya, hello. And do you know what? If I had to guess how a shepherd would be dressed, <laughs> there is something of the fringes that yeah. suggests shepherd. But you're a shepherd in silver high heels, yeah. Um, yeah, which I love. Okay, so Freya, just tell us a little bit about how you become a shepherd. So in February last year, I rode my horse around the East Cape of New Zealand for three weeks, and I rode onto a station for the first time in my life. A station's a big farm. I'm from Australia, and um, originally there was movement at the station for the word had passed around that the cult from regret had got away. It's the most famous Australian poet. So if you're listening internationally, you don't know. It's like a big sheep farm or a big horse farm or a big farm. So I rode onto a station, and it blew my mind. It was amazing. And the station manager asked me if I wanted to go mustering. And I said, sure, what's mustering? So the next morning, I was out on my horse at about 5.30 in the morning um, with dogs on the hill, moving sheep around, and I thought, this is incredible. So I came back to Auckland, and I googled, what is a shepherd, because I didn't know what a shepherd was, and then I thought, I wrote myself a little list of what I thought a shepherd would do, and one of the things was sharing sheep. So I enrolled in a sheep shearing course at Taratahi. You can go, anyone can go. It's free to learn to share sheep in New Zealand. They give you food and accommodation for a week. <laughs> That's peak New Zealand, isn't it? <laughs> Government-sponsored food and accommodation for a week to learn how to shear a sheep. And when I got to sheep shearing school, I realised I had never touched a sheep before. <laughs> an adult sheep, as I would call them. And so I learned to share adult sheep. And then I just started to harass any person that I saw that looked like they were a farmer and asked them to teach me things, learned how to kill sheep. And Okay, we had a vegan episode last night. <laughs> Two, like, ethical feminists who link animal rights to all human rights and female rights uh, in general. So this may have taken a turn. <laughs> I mean, as it is, sheep shearing is controversial for some people because some people feel like we shouldn't be using, you know... Yeah, no, okay, shh. None of that happened. Okay, so, uh, so you left your job in the city and you just got a job on a sheep station. Yeah, I got a job as a junior shepherd on a sheep and beef station. Junior shepherd? I didn't really know there were rankings, but I'm thrilled to know that there are. And I am happy that you are pursuing a passion and you've just walked away and you've gone into something that I would think most people would think was quite male. That 
is because in New Zealand, shepherds who are females are traditionally called land girls. Oh, boo! Boo! That's like Girl Fridays or something. Yeah, it was from the war, land girls. Um, well, listen, I am, I am delighted that you've upgraded land girl to full shepherd and that you're pursuing your dream. And please be really kind to the sheep and don't kill any. Um, uh, thank you so much, Freya! Getting down is always more delicate than getting up. Um, all right. Our next guest... Our next guest is here to recite some of her poetry. We really feel privileged to have her. She's living out her childhood dream of being a mama to three Māori children. Uh, New Zealand historian by trade, she has an innate talent for exploring narratives from the past in order to weave and maintain tupuna given values into the present and future. Uh, she has dedicated her adult life towards healing familial ties and prioritizing her family's needs over and above the allure of box ticking for social acceptance and or conformity. She lives for the day when the term uplifted moldy babies no longer exists and that, uh, in her words, our men and women are no longer incarcerated as jails has been replaced with restorative justice. Housing is a birthright, not a luxury. The position of mama is elevated in society above all else. Um, and best of all, the Maldi are once again thriving land guardians in the one corner of the world that is uniquely ours to call home. Please welcome to the stage, Nya Atafai Nya! Chickens working. Ite tuatahi kamahi kamahi kiarata i peturangi te kiarata i takahi te nei ara o te roto rota ki taumai te au i te nei po ki roto iako e ngati fatua ki ngamanaki tanga o au te aroa ki ai o te au ki ora kaita ko ngata fainga toko ingoa he uri te nei no kotiana irony ngati hine me ngapahi ka nohoa i te nei wairaro i te wānui. Otani i Waitakiri. Good evening, everybody. My name is Nga Atafainga. Uh, I'm of <laughs> Kilda. I'm of Irish Scottish descent uh, on my father's side and on my mother's side. Ngatahine Ngapahi, proud. Um, <laughs> currently living in the beautiful bushes of Waitakiri. Um, <clears throat> I have a small disclaimer in that I would have loved to have write a piece specific for this show, but instead I've had to trawl back through the archives. It's been a good two years since I wrote anything or did any stand-up poetry, but somebody somewhere had some very deep faith and belief in me and asked me to be here tonight. So I have some notes that are on my phone, and I'll be using my phone to read to you tonight, um, but hopefully the message is still conveyed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Le Moon. What if I cracked open the moon and drunk from her insides like eating blue cheese with purple grapes and red wine? Would she plant in me a seed that I could birth from my throat so that when I speak it is with the truth of her inside me? Note, this is where I could insert a Māori word or two, make it more palatable to be pink-tongued, white-toothed and big brown areolas, the only sign of Māori genes in me, but that feels like tokenism. I've asked the moon many times to take my blood. I lay in my oversized jacket, naked underneath, and I huddled in the heavy rain for five hours at the back of our rental house in Tamaki, lying on my side, drenched and cold in all the spaces between my bones and sinew and veins. But all I got by way of answer was more rain and more cold, and then I got bored and wanted a hot shower in bed. So I went back inside and poured me a wine, 
and ate the grapes that tasted like Rona's tears, disguising it with the blue cheese that tasted like Rona's screams. Tokwa! She had screamed. Let me go! Let me go! Let me go! Hene Marama held her tight regardless. I can only dream how it feels to be held so tight. Tears roll down my cheeks. Would I rather be snatched in violence and immortalised with fear in the face of a possessive, wrathful moon than remain here wandering the shadows of someone else's dream, looking for the warmth of sun rays that fall all around me, it seems, but never quite on me? I gave it some more thought and decided that I too want to be snatched like Rona and held tight. Moake, ake, ake tonuatu, forever and ever and ever. Le Moon is what I call her, but it is Rona that reminds me how important representation truly is. Hinemarama, hinemarama, hinemarama. Our atua Māori live on through each of us, and that is the pip of truth I swallowed into the sorrowful garden of my womb that night, imagining it would blossom one day through the birthing canal of my descendants. I coughed a little from the cold in my spine, the wine bottle empty, the cheese and grapes all eaten. I closed my eyes and wept a little more before surrendering to the knowing that there will be many more times where I will plead with the gods to transfer me between gardens and even worlds that I may not always be where I want to be in life. But as the warmth of my bed enveloped me and the sound of the children sleeping in the room next to me, I was reminded once again, I am always right where I'm supposed to be. I am always right where I am needed. Nah to find out, everybody. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere we can buy your poetry, see you perform, anything we can help you with, oh, support so you on? I'm a bit of a closet poet at the moment. <laughs> um, as I say, I haven't written in two years, um, but I am in a transition phase, and I think following this night, after a good boot up the bum from Shane at the New Zealand Poet Society, um, I'll be doing more to get my work out there. Wonderful. We'll put, we'll put your name and a link to anything else you're doing or anything you want us to look at in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful to have you. Now to find out, everybody. Part of the show is sponsored by Sky Comedy and the new show, Rosie Malloy, Gives Up Everything, starring Sheridan Smith. With me to talk about it is Guilty Feminist favourite, Sarah Barron. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. So episode one starts with Rosie waking up in hospital, realising that her many and various addictions, booze, caffeine, Xanax, chocolate orange, the list is endless. <laughs> I can relate to in- certainly enjoying a few of those. Okay are ruining her life and she starts trying to make a change. So, uh, Sarah, first of all, if you had to choose between booze and chocolate orange this Christmas, uh, which would you give up? Oh, which would I give up? I would give up chocolate orange. Uh, Booze or caffeine? Okay, that's hard, Deborah. So okay, give you this booze, so I can choice. only have, I'm Sophie's choosing between booze and caffeine. Ooh. God, I would go for caffeine, but what a sad Christmas. Uh, what you're gonna give up caffeine at Christmas? No, no, no. I'm gonna give up booze. I'm gonna give up booze. Okay. So the only other one that I've got listed here is Xanax. <laughs> Have you Xanax. ever partaken? I haven't had a Xanax. I will tell you something. Yes. And this is gonna be one of the most American things I ever say to go you. On. I was back in the States in October and I had all the, I had to come straight back and get into work. I 
get terrible jet lag and I had my mother give me her Xanax. Oh, wow. Which is, I mean. That's the last Rolo of that America. That is the last <laughs> Rolo of America. And I took a few, which you know you can't get them in the UK, basically. No. Like they're like, they That's don't give them, reason, they give them out like candy in America. Wow. And oh my God, I see why. So it was a wonderful dalliance, but I, if forced to choose, Mm. caffeine over Xanax, but it was a wonderful two days. It was a wonderful two days, but let's leave it at two. Let's leave it at two. Yeah, not become addicted because- Here's the kick with uh, Rosie. She's not just enjoying these things. She's addicted to them. What did you make of the first episode, Sarah? I mean, I think- Anyone would be insane if the most incredible thing for them in this wonderful show Mm. was Sheridan Smith. It is what I think of as invisible acting. Right. I don't understand how someone can be sort of in this space of having to act out addiction and then also hospital bed and then high octane family dynamics Mm. and let the acting be completely invisible in every breath she takes. She is, but she's one of the, She's like a national. She and she incurs national treasure at this point. I feel like she's is she there. Yeah. I just think her acting is unbelievable. So I love that they're addressing addiction. I feel like they're going to really be addressing the messiness of addiction, not mm. just like, "Hey, it's hard, but I got there." And her acting is it's, chef's kiss. Have you got any ways in which you'd like to see this series end? Are you hoping for anything? Do you know? You know what I'm hoping for is I. I think that journeys toward recovery are really messy and exhausting and long. (laughs) And so I sort of want this to be the show that shows that. So I think I want her to not have everything tied up in a neat bow Mm. by the end. I like the idea that someone who is struggling with their own issues who maybe logs this amount of time sober and then falls off the wagon or that they see that struggle reflected. I hope that Rosie doesn't give up everything. Because it says Rosie gives up everything. And I'm like, why does she need to give up everything? What's wrong with chocolate orange? Do you know what I mean? Like, listen, I hope I really hope she finds her way back to some things in moderation, maybe some functional addictions that are perfectly fine and releases into the ether anything that's holding her back. Yes. And I think one of my favorite scenes in that first episode was when the dad goes to see the fancy doctor and the fancy doctor is like, look, this is terminal, but take it as a given. You shouldn't drink. And they're like, we're done here. (laughs) And I thought that was a really, that was a really subtle and really clever way of saying, sometimes you just need a drink and that is okay. And this guy has whatever time he has left. And he'd rather live for six months instead of a year and a half, but be able to have a pint and, and a fag whenever he wants. And I think that's where I would like to also see Rosie get to is she can maybe she has a smoke, her chocolate orange, but she just maintains a nice relationship with her brother. I would like to see her give up cigarettes because I think they're poisonous and what's the good of them? Yeah, that's, that's, sorry. I mean, sorry, but po- cigarettes, if you were starting oh, a country from scratch, my gosh. you would never legalize cigarettes. I, the There's more we get to know each them. other, the more I realize that my husband is you in male <laughs> form. It, he's adopted, he has substance stuff. I would almost say that he has a phobic relationship to cigarettes. He thinks they are the devil's work beyond any other substance, whereas I feel like, Oh, come on. A cigarette with a glass of red wine? Oh, on an autumn night? Are you kidding? I I mean, I certainly have socially smoked in the past, but I I drew a line at a certain point and went, "Eh, this is nasty. And I don't want it in my life because anyone can be the one. Anyone could be the one. Yeah, that's what they say with any any cigarette can be the one that, that, uh, that does it. What, what is it? Whoa, whoa. What? Yes, it's a lucky dip. It's, uh, yeah. So someone can smoke for 90 years and nothing happens and someone else can have one and it triggers the, yeah. This is what I, this is what I heard and I, I looked into it and it did seem to be the case, but I don't want to say it on here just in case it's not right. Okay, I will be yeah. speaking to a doctor about that at some yeah, stage. Yeah, I think it's good, to, it's good to clarify it. Okay. I hope Rosie doesn't give up everything. I hope she gives up the things that she wants to release into the ether 
maybe has a functional addiction and can pick and choose from the chocolate oranges from time to time as she wants them. Well, one thing I am hoping is I'm going to be able to watch the whole series. And luckily, that Christmas wish is going to come true because Rosie Malloy is available to watch exclusively on Sky TV. It's a Sky original series available on Sky Comedy. All episodes are now available, but do be aware it's a bit addictive. So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.